apologize for this break in transmission. We'll return you to our normal program as soon as possible. Once a long time ago, way back in the beginning of the world, all was darkness. And the old raven and the young raven lived in a cave high above a mighty river. Now the old raven sat upon a great carved box in which he kept his most prized possessions. The sun and the moon and stars and life in a little buckskin bag. Now the young raven was lonely in this world of darkness, so one day he came to his father and said, Oh, father, I'm so lonely. Might I play with the things in the box? I'd like to take the sun and light the whole world. His father grew angry and he said, No, no one will ever have my prized possessions. No one will ever see the sun and the moon and the stars. Time and again, young Raven would come back to his father, but each time the old Raven would drive him away, saying, No, no, they're mine, no one will ever have them. Finally, the young Raven got an idea. He waited until just after his father had eaten. The old raven sat up on his great carved box and he was cold and sleepy and he yawned. Then young raven came to him and said, Oh, father, you look so tired and so sleepy. Why don't you let me watch the box for you while you go sleep in the back of the cave? The old raven climbed down off his box and went to sleep in the back of the cave, saying as he went, You guard the box! If anything happens to my prized possessions, it'll be the worst for you. As soon as young Raven heard his father snoring, he tiptoed over to the box, and he lifted off the lid, and inside were all the wonderful things, the sun and the moon and stars and life in a little buckskin bag. Now you like bright things, and the brightest thing in the box was the sun. And young Raven picked it up, and took it outside, and marveled at the way it lighted the whole world. And then he began to throw it up, catch it, throw it up, and catch it. He didn't notice that each time he threw it up, went just a little higher and took just a little longer to come down. Finally, he threw it up and it stuck right up in the sky where you see it in the daytime when it's not raining. Oh, the young raven was frightened. 
He knew his father would skin him alive for losing his son, so he took the move. Threw it up, and he tried to knock the sun down, but the moon went up and bounced over the other side of the sky, where you see it at night when it's not raining. Then he took the stars and threw them up one at a time and scattered them over the sky, where they are now. He just picked up the little buckskin bag in which was life. When his father awoke and seeing what he had done, he chased him out of the cave and down the side of the mountain. Pretty soon young Raven was running down an old dry riverbed. Root stuck out of the bank, and his foot caught, and he tripped, and he fell, and his long feet stuck in among the rocks, and life spilled out over the rocks. And while he pulled and tugged, trying to freeze beat, the rocks began to grow and change. Little round rocks begin to look like little round men. Long, tall rocks begin to look like long, tall men. Finally, by the time he had freed his beak, the rocks were men. They looked at young Raven and were frightened. And young Raven looked at them. Now, some of these men were cowardly and they ran off down into the ocean and became the fish, salmon, and the halibut. Other cowardly ones ran off up into the mountains. They became the deer and the against your mad, deadly, worldwide, conspiratorial, gangster, computer god communism with wall-to-wall, deadly gangster protection, lifelong sworn conspirators, murder incorporated, organized crime, the police and judges, the deadly, sneak-parroting puppet gangsters using all the gangster, deadly Frankenstein controls, these hangman rope, sneak, deadly gangsters, the judges and the police, trick, trap, rob, wreck, butcher, and murder the people to keep them terrorized in gangster Frankenstein earphone radio slavery for the communist gangster government and con artist parroting puppet gangster playboy scum on top. from this worse gangster police state using all of the deadly gangster Frankenstein controls.
corners, projection of deadly cuts, direct to the spiders, worldwide living death, worldwide living death. was lying to us. small. They always have been. Stubby fingers. Bitten nails. Freckled nibs with, yes, a mind of their own. 
My breasts are small. They always have been. Gnat bites. Peas on a drum. 28B is how they've been described. They are freckled and have a mind of their own. Now, Mr. Fisher. And you're listening to Radio Lost and Found on KBOO, Portland, listener-sponsored community radio. And we're in the middle of our spring drive, and you can uh, support KBOO by going to kboo.fm and clicking the donate link on the upper right-hand corner. Or you could text KBOO to 44321. That's right. On your cell phone. Text to the number 44321 and send KBOO, K-B-O-O, and it'll bring you somewhere <laughs> where you can make a donation and support this craziness. Uh, I'll be here for the next two hours. Thanks to DJ Audio for another wonderful soul connection. And after this show, it's going to be Megawave Radio. Oh, what do we hear? Let me push a button. We just heard uh, Mary Langford from the uh, album Miniatures, 51 Tiny Masterpieces, all one-minute tracks. And then before that, we heard The Venetian Snares with Americanized, from that came from the 2004 Infolepsy EP. And then we heard uh, a little bit, a bunch of stuff mixed together. We heard uh, at the beginning of the set, Chief Laluska, who you may know if you grew up in this area, and you maybe went to field trips to see Chief, Chief Laluska tell Indian stories and, and um, with costumes and dancing. It was really spectacular. We heard a track called Old Raven and Young Raven, and that came from a 7-inch record, a uh, double 7-inch record from 1961 called Tells Indian Legends, mixed in with Johnny Stewart, Wildlife Calls, Owl, and Several Crows, the immortal fight between Owl and Crow. And that came out on the Johnny Stewart Wildlife Calls label. And then mixed in there with Leonard Emanuel from the album Hollerin'. We heard Hoot Owl. And that catches us up. You're listening to Radio Lost and Found. Oh, and I got something brand new for you. Um, the band Sagan. Sagan. Which is composed of Blevin Blectum. Of Blevin Blectum from Blectum. And Jay Lesser who's a, a member of Matmos and Wobbly, also known as John Lidecker, who's collaborated with Negative Land, his own solo work. He's um, played with the Thurston Moore group. And he, he did put out a really cool album that I've played before, and I may play some more, uh, with Dieter Mobius and Tim Story. He's played with Fred Frith and Hun Hur Anyway, they have a new album out that's called uh, by Sagan. That's called Anti-Arc. And let's hear some of that now on... Radio Lost and Found. Thanks for listening to me. Hope you're digging the show so far.
This is Wobbly from Negative Land, and you're listening to KBOO Portland.
take the ability to talk for granted, don't you? Then why shouldn't you? You talk every day of your life and you don't think much about it. But did you realize that millions of people suffer from voice problems? These millions can't take talking for granted. For them, to talk is a struggle. Do you have a voice like... Do you have a voice like... Do you have a voice like... Mind? Do you have a voice like... As it is done. Do you have a voice like... Do you have a voice like... Mine? Do you have a voice like... Do you want a voice like mine? Do you want a voice like... Mine? Do you want a voice like... Do you want... Do you want a voice like... With a voice like mine... What would you want a voice like? Do you want a voice... Do you want a voice like... What would you do with a voice like... What would you do? How would you survive? Would you seize me? Would you... Would you hide... Would you seize power? Would you dissect it? Ingest it? Roll it around on your tongue? And then what? And then what? And then what? Would it give you pleasure? Would it get you in? Would it take you away? Gently? With a light touch? Take it out. Take it away. Take it. How can you... Take it out. Take it away. Take it... Gently? With a light... Roll it around on your pleasure. And then what? 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 For years, little or nothing could be done for many of these people. Doctors often resorted to surgery whose results were difficult to predict. Today, however, there's been a new medical breakthrough in diagnosing and testing voice problems. With the ability to view vocal cords in action through the use of fiber optics, it is now possible for doctors to correct voice problems without surgery in 9 out of 10 cases. She's down at the end of the hall. Uh -huh. See, she's right down there. What's your name? My name's 42. Do you have a name? Is that a fun game, slapping the table? I come from very far away. Do you know where that is? I come from the basement. Do you know where Japan is? My name is 42. Can you say that? Oh, you must be mute. How cute. Oh, that rhymes. Mute cute. Does that rhyme? You're beautiful. Has anyone ever told you that before? You're beautiful. Are you beautiful? Are you? No. No, I don't think you are. That's okay. It's easier that way. You look familiar, don't you? Yes, you do. You do look familiar. Is that a fun game, slapping the table?
called Standing on the Floor. Do you want to play? It's really fun down here. It's like being on the moon. Do you know where that is? That's right, Japan. I have some special lefty scissors for you. Do you know where they are? That's right, Japan. You're left-handed, aren't you? How cute. Oh, that rhymes. Left-handed cute. Does that rhyme? Does it? Motherfucking fool. Do you want to go home now? Do you know where that is? That's right. The moon. And do you know how we get there? Three, two, one. That's right. We walk. Can you walk forever? Can you say that word forever? I can. Japan. Oh, that rhymes. I can Japan. Does that rhyme? Does it? Forever. Hey, forever. Hey, hey. Uh, uh, uh. No, talk to me. I want to hear you talk. Okay. Slap the table then. No, I really want you to. Slap the table. Slap it now. a very ugly face you're making. 42 can make an ugly face too. Here I go. Did I scare you? <laughs> I'm just playing. You're fun. I would like to suck you into my bones. <laughs> I'm just playing. You're fun and you're familiar. I know you from somewhere. Would you like to go home now? Climb in. Come on, all aboard. Get in. Oh, I see how it is. Well, then we'll just have to leave without you. We're leaving now. Bye. Too bad you couldn't come. Too bad who couldn't come? Who? I don't see anyone. I'm just playing. We wouldn't leave without you. So get in. Come on, get in. 42 is talking to you. Come on, get in. Sometimes 
times and sometimes he knocks on doorways beside me and sometimes he rocks me to sleep in a chair for he knows that I need affection as much as a cut needs to bleed
in this boxcar. Why not? Doggone female, riding a freight train. Yes, I am female. A dangerous female. So watch out.
O Portland. but I feel like I can't actually start talking until the music does that dramatic swell. I'm not sure why. Um, you're listening to Radio Lost and Found on KBOO Portland. And we just heard Paul Corino from the album At the Organ Grinder Volume 2. Do you remember Organ Grinder Pizza? And that was YMCA, of course. I just got this record the other day. I have Volume 1. I have a whole bunch of these dumb pizza organ type records. I like the local ones. I got a couple organ grinder pizza ones. Um, and before that, Evolution Control Committee gave us I Want a Cookie. And that came from their album Plagiarism Nation, version 2.0 on Sealand Records. And then before that, The Sacred Cowboy gave us Norwegian Weed from the album Beatles Mutation. And then before that, The Residents, along with Ronaldo and the Loaf, with Mahogany Wood, and that came from their um, 1983 album collaboration, Title and Limbo. And before that, we heard Miranda July with I Can Japan from her wonderful album, The Benet Simon Test, on Kill Rock Stars. And then Greg Whitehead from a compilation called Tell Us Number 11, The Sound of Radio, that wonderful cassette compilation series that came out like a magazine uh, we heard a track called if a voice like that then what and then we heard the shags from their sophomore album the shag zone thing we heard yesterday once more which has been reissued recently on light in the attic records for some reason uh, wobbly from his new album popular monitress we heard motown electronium and that came out on Haosu Mountain Records just this year. Just like, oh, like last month. And uh, also brand new, Sagan, which which uh, is also has Wobbly and ble- bleb- Blectum from Blectum. Uh, their album Anti-Arc, we had a couple tracks, Cylind Keeper and, and, and uh, Self-Described. Again, Anti-Arc, which just came out. My music's looping, and so am I. That catches us up. 
Hope you're digging the show, and um, we're in the middle of our spring, spring pledge drive. And there's all kinds of ways you can support KBU. And wh- and you could go to kboo.fm and click the donate link on the upper right-hand corner. Or you could text KBU to 44321. That's right. Text the word KBU to the number 44321. And it'll lead you ways which you can help support KBU. Maybe you, maybe you want to do an electronic funds transfer. That's what I do. It's painless and that really carries the station. It helps a lot. And we're shut down because of the pandemic for a little while. And a lot of us are doing our shows from their house. Their house. Not my house. I'm doing my show from my house. Thank you very much. But yes, um, consider supporting KBU and our crazy mission to bring you really weird music. Oh, and after this show, it's going to be Mega Wave Radio for five hours. Five hours of hip-hop. That'll be cool. So yes, thank you for listening. Hope you're digging the show so far. Other worlds in this universe is something hard for us to believe. The story I'm about to tell not only proves to me there is another world up there somewhere, but some type of creatures or beings exist on that world. Many things have been written and many different stories have been told about what happened October the 11th, 1973 
on the banks of the Pascoola River here in Pascoola, Mississippi. This is the true story. I know because I was there. Calvin Parker and myself were employed by F.P. Walker Shipyard at that time. Sometime during the day on that almost fateful Thursday, we decided to go fishing after work. We'd take our spinning reels and shrimp for bait and fish from the banks of the river for redfish and spectra. After trying a few places without any luck, we would try one more spot. That was by the old Shawpeter shipyard, which has been out of operation for years. On many occasions, I had caught fish there in the past. But after trying there for a while, our luck didn't seem to be any better. By this time, it had become dark. We were about ready to give it up and go home. And all of a sudden, I heard some kind of zipping sound behind us. As I turned, I saw a blue flashing light. Some type of craft was approaching the ground. This just couldn't be, I thought. There it was, about 30 foot long, maybe 10 foot high. And the angle it was toward us, I couldn't tell how wide it was. It was shaped something like a football. More blood at one end. The craft was metallic. There could have been a dome on top, I'm not quite sure. Something that looked like two windows up toward the front and close to the top. The expression on Calvin's face told me that he was looking at the same thing. The craft hovered about two foot from the ground. And almost instantly an opening appeared, one end. And there's no way for me to express the feelings I had when these three things appeared in that opening. My God, Calvin, what's happened? I'll never forget those words. As I glanced toward Calvin, he seemed to be going in shock. These things were about five foot two inches tall. The head seemed to come directly to the shoulders without an angle. The nose was about an inch and a half long, and he came to a point. The ears were similar to the nose, maybe a little longer. And directly under the nose was a slit. It resembled a mouth. There could have been eyes. I can't recall what they looked like. Their skin, or it could have been some type of clothing, reminds me of elephant skin. It was very wrinkled, and it seemed to shine. The arms resembled human arms, but the hands were well with something like a thumb, more like pinchers. 
and the arms were long in proportion to the body. The legs remained together, and the feet seemed to be round, like an elephant's foot. And these things seemed to glide about the same height from the ground as the craft, and almost instantly were upon us. Two of them took hold of my arms from the side. There was no sensation. I was raised from the ground. I glanced around, I saw one take hold of Calvin and I saw him go limp and found out later he had fainted. The battles I survived almost two years in career crossed my mind, but I could not resist these things. I could not move. As they were taking me inside the craft, all I could think of, they're going to take me away. The light inside the craft was almost blinded. The room seemed to be round. No tables, no chairs. And I've been unable to describe the estimates inside the room. The only one I can partially describe is the one they used to scan my body. It seemed to come out directly from the wall. I didn't see any attachments. There could have been one. It was between six and eight inches in diameter, an oblong. The end focused on me was a different color or different type material than the rest of it. It resembled a big eye. hourly plays the coy game of trying to discredit all UFO sightings. There are ample indications that they are more convinced than not of the reality of UFOs. In fact, the Air Force's much publicized, gee whiz, all these people must be seeing things attitude is belied by their handling of some of the UFO sightings. As a case in point, Major D.B. Reeder of Hamilton Air Force Base interviewed Mr. Sid Padry, a man who claims to have actually been on a flying saucer for over two hours. Mr. Patrick was admonished after the Air Force interview not to reveal certain details about the spacecraft on which he rode. Now, doesn't it seem strange that the Air Force would be so concerned about the details of something they don't even believe exists? Well, so you can decide for yourself about this Watsonville, California man's extraordinary account of his ride on a space vehicle. I arranged an interview with him. Here now is my interview with Mr. Sid Patrick. This one night I had gotten up to operate my ham radio, which I have done many times in the past up until this time. And uh, this was, this night was nothing unusual in this respect. And uh, I got up to operate my ham radio at first, but then decided to go to the beach, and this incident happened. I left about 15 minutes before two to go down to the beach, and this crab came down right at two o'clock. Could you describe to someone how it happened? I could describe it in saying this. On the first sighting of it, and realizing it wasn't something I'd ever seen before, it scared me very badly. I mean, tremendously. I think it scared me so bad I couldn't even run. <laughs> and uh, I stood and watched it, and the people started talking to me as it came down. And uh, it did relieve me to some degree because they indicated they were not hostile. And they furthermore invited me aboard. And with my little bit of curiosity, plus the fact I was so frightened I couldn't do anything, I decided to go aboard, and I met the gentleman as I went in the door. 
And you said they started to talk to you as they came down. Was this through a speaker system? I can't answer that. I know the, the voice that he was using came from that general direction, but I could not classify it as a speaker. It appeared to be a, a natural voice coming right out of the air. I cannot say it was a concentrated voice like a speaker would ordinarily give you. You're the only one, as far as you know, that was on the beach at that time. I'm the only one in that area that I know of. And uh, for this reason, I know I'm the only one because I didn't know at first they were directing this voice to me. I didn't know if they were directing to me or anyone else, so I had to look around and see, and I appeared to be the only one in the area. Although, I might tell you, too, this area, uh, although there's a lot of houses right in the immediate area, they're usually not occupied during the wintertime, and this was in the winter, of course. I asked Mr. Patrick what he thought the purpose of the UFO crew was in picking him up and taking him on a tour of their craft. I asked him just before I departed from the craft to what their purpose was for being here, and he told me observation only, but it is generally assumed, uh, not only by myself but others, that he could have meant for me to observe him, because it was obvious all through this two-hour encounter that he did not want to know anything about me. He didn't ask me one question about my life, my uh, age, my family, or the country, or anything, as if just he knew it already. What was some of the uh, text of your conversation? Uh, did you ask him questions? Oh, I asked him a total of 25 questions altogether that I could remember asking him when I got off. And he gave me direct, specific answers, too. I did ask him a few questions, however, which he did not answer. And I don't, I don't know why he didn't. I didn't ask him why he didn't Such as? Well, I asked him, one, if he would compare their light term with our day or mile or week or month or whatever the case may be, and he would not do it for me. Why? I don't know. He would not tell me. Do you remember another question that he wouldn't answer? Uh, that was one in particular I asked him. Oh, and the power source, too. I asked him if he would uh, tell me a little more specifically about their power source, and he refused to do that also. Those two things, he, I know that he would not answer. Sid Patrick recalled to me two questions that his visitors from outer space answered. And I also asked him where he was from, and this is how he gave it to me. He said that they were from a, a, from a planet in back of a planet, which we observe, but we do not observe them. Now, he carefully worded that by saying we do not observe rather than we could not observe him. Did you happen to ask uh, whether they believed in a god or a Christ? I didn't ask him, but he volunteered it. Uh, I might tell you this, that... Throughout the encounter, he took me on uh, two floors of the craft. The bottom floor had seven floors he took, I mean, seven rooms he took me into, and also the second floor had seven rooms, which made a total of 14 rooms throughout the encounter. Now, I am assuming, however, since the craft was 30 feet high, around 30 feet high, that there was another floor he didn't take me aboard. I didn't think to ask him if there was another floor, because we were moving too fast and talking all the time, and it didn't even register on me. Uh, until I got out of the craft, there must have been another floor. And uh, he took me in a room they call their consultation room, and he volunteered to tell me their way of life in this room. And uh, this is when he mentioned the Supreme, De uh, Supreme Deity and uh, the fact that there is a God. And he started out this way, and as soon as we had gotten in the room, he asked me for the first time if I would like to sit down. And I, wanna, I think I had been in the craft over an hour at this time, well over an hour. And of course, I hadn't worried about sitting down. I didn't need to. I mean, we were just walking and talking all the time. And when I, when he did ask me if I'd like to sit down, I did do so just for a few seconds and sat down for, oh, maybe a minute to a minute and a half and felt the chair real good and got up and stood back with him. And I thought we were about ready to leave, but we by no means left the room immediately. And then he asked me if I would like to pay, pay my respects to the supreme uh, deity. 
And when he said that, I didn't know just how to accept it. I know we have a supreme deity, but I asked him point blank, I said, uh, you said supreme deity, why would you say that? I said, we same thing, and he said, there is only one. That's the only answer he gave me, there is only one. Sid Patrick told of a spaceship that was so unusual that he felt for sure that it was from out of this world. It was large, it, it looked a lot larger than it probably was, but I guessed it to be around 30 feet high and about 70 feet across when it came down. And I looked at it twice now, in fact, three times. Once when I went aboard, and once up in the hills where he dropped me off and uh, let me out for a few seconds. We were in the hills, incidentally, almost two hours. Where, I don't know. And then he took me back and dropped me off the same place he picked me up and I watched it leave. And it was every bit of 70 feet across and 30 feet high. Did this have any particular shape? Yes, it did, a very peculiar shape, and uh, I have seen since then actual photographs that coincide with this exact shape that they had, and it would be an oblong shape, like something on the egg shape, and uh, with a big rim around it, appearing to be something like a gyro. Now, when they invited you in, did you have to climb up over some cowling or some rim to get into the, the craft itself? No, I didn't. Actually, when they invited me aboard, they were close to the ground when they invited me a second time, and they came down close enough. I think they uh, came down just within a foot or so and just held the craft there. This is what it appeared to be, although I did not look and I cannot be, be sure. But it was low enough to where I could step right inside of it very comfortably, I mean, with a normal uh, pace of stepping. And there was some aperture at the bottom whereby you could go get in from the bottom of the craft. Oh, yes. I would just walk straight in the room. Uh, when I got inside the craft, I just walked straight forward until, he, until I met this gentleman. Now, did things inside the craft look uh, normal to you, or was it, was it completely out of what you had uh, ever conceived? It was so abnormal, I thought I was dead for a while. This is a fact. I actually couldn't conceive of me being, sta I mean, standing there in front of a craft like this and walking inside of it and seeing something I had never come in contact with before. And at this time, I knew it was not anything from this earth, or at least I didn't think so. I had never seen anything to coincide with it. I cannot tell you what it was made out of, although I can tell you what it looked like. The inside looked like it was plastic all the way. I mean, I did not see anything that would indicate it being metal or any metallic substance. But whatever it was, was uh, it appeared to be very hard and very solid. It was a lot harder than what we would uh, ordinarily make plastic or plexiglass on that order. It was not uh, transparent, however. This is what it appeared to me. To me, it, it looked like uh, some kind of a, a plastic material with a coloring to it. The reason I say that is the lighting all came through the walls, and it was uh, the lighting was equalized throughout the craft very much equalized, where there was no dark spots or uh, unilluminated spots. Even the ceilings were lit up, just like the walls. All the floors did not have lights in them. And this These is what made still. me think they were uh, transparent. Well, this I scan my Now, I'm not body. so sure how they lighted the walls. I didn't, I didn't ask It seemed to linger more in my head. I noticed these things were careful not to let the eye focus on them. I have no way of knowing why. Then they left me suspended there for what seemed eternity, but it couldn't have been more than a few minutes. I kept thinking, what are they going to do with me? If they take me away, will anyone ever know what happened to me? But they came back, took hold of me, had me back outside, 
and led me to the ground, almost the same spot they had taken me from. When my feet touched the ground, my legs gave way, they seemed to be weak, and I fell. I saw Calvin about this time. He was standing with his arms outstretched. He was in shock. I was trying to get up and make my way toward him. When I heard this zipping sound again, I turned around. There was the blue flashing lights, and almost instantly, the craft was gone. I couldn't believe it. We had encountered something that had to be from another world. And hopefully, without any physical harm. But I had no way of knowing at that time how it would affect us mentally in the days and nights to come. No one will ever know the after effects of this encounter with something from another world. The almost sleepless nights, the terrible nightmares when I do sleep. Without the love and understanding from my wife and kids, I don't believe I could have survived. The many friends and concerned people throughout America that has talked to me personally or have written letters or by telephone or telegrams a big majority of these people these responsible people have seen UFOs some are even scared to tell their neighbors because they don't want to be laughed at call nuts our governments say they don't exist well what's got to happen has 200 million people got to see a UFO before it's firmly believed? The law of average years, tells me of I don't have too many more years to the dawn of the space age, the frequency of these reports have increased. Many people believe that these UFOs are indeed space vehicles from outer space, manned by living creatures sometimes called humanoids. On rare occasion, actual contact with these creatures from space have been reported. But on Thursday night, October 11, 1973, the most dramatic and convincing UFO incident in history was reported. This report came from here in Pascagoula, Mississippi, a shipbuilding city of approximately 40,000 population. Just after dark, 43-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker, Hickson's nephew, were fishing from a pier on the Pascagoula River at the site of an old abandoned shipyard. Here now is what happened, as reported by the Mississippi Press Register, Friday, October 12th. Past men forced aboard UFO here. Weird creatures emerged from a hovering egg-shaped spacecraft and floated one foot in the air toward Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker who were fishing. They took them by the forearms and floated them back into the spaceship where they placed them on a table and used a gadget that looked like an eye to examine them. The creatures were five feet high, had pointed ears, two eyes, and a hole below the eyes. One of them made a buzzing sound. That was the statement two Pascagoula men told the Jackson County Sheriff's Office Thursday night. 
Hickson, 45, a foreman at Walker Shipyard, told officers that he and Parker, an 18-year-old relative, were fishing from the wharf on the Pascagoula River near the old shipyard south of the toll bridge shortly after dark. They told officers that the spaceship, which was described as being oblong or egg-shaped with a pulsating blue light, landed just above the water about 40 feet away. Three creatures emerged from an opening in the front of the ship and moved across the water, they said. At this point, Hickson told officers, Parker fainted. The creatures moved up to him, Hickson, and took him, gently, he said, by the forearms, and they floated him back into the opening of the spaceship. Their hands, he said, resembled pinchers. Once inside the spaceship, he said they placed him on the examining table and used the eye to go over him head to toe. He was not scared. Only one of the creatures made a sound, Hickson told officers, and it was a buzzing noise. The others remained silent. Apparently, Parker was also taken into the craft, but Hickson said he was not aware of where Parker was. The younger boy was still unconscious. After the examination, Hickson and Parker were taken back to the wharf where they had been fishing. Sheriff Fred Diamond, whose department handled the investigation, was convinced the men were telling the truth. Here is a report of the sheriff's investigation from the Mississippi Press Register. At first, the two decided not to tell anyone. Ain't no use reporting this, Hickson said he told Parker. Won't nobody believe us. But the two decided they had to tell someone and they stopped at the Mississippi Press offices. No newsmen were present, however. They decided to go to the sheriff's office. If there is future generations, can look back and say that he has done everything or he did do everything that was humanly possible to prove that there is other worlds up there somewhere and that some type of beings exist on those worlds. I was hypnotized by scientists that are known worldwide and a polygraph test or a lie detector test which proved I was telling the truth. I don't know of any other way that I can give more proof. Only one thing. There's something, I don't know how to explain it, but something I've been trying to remember that happened to me while I was aboard that craft. And hopefully, it will come to me someday, and that could be the final proof. I believe in God, and I have become to believe now that God in all his greatness that would create a universe so vast there's not an end to it that we know and why do we think that he would put life on this one little world with all those other worlds up there I know there's believers and non-believers. <laughs> Boat the believers. You, didn't I? By the way, you're tuned in to KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland, listener-sponsored community radio. It might take an experience similar to that. And here is something else that's even harder to believe. I have been contacted 
by these things through my mind since the Paspagula River encounter. And I believe I will come in physical contact again with them in the future. I believe these things are making preparations to communicate in some way with our government. Only time will tell. When these things happen, people will look back and say, well, he was telling the truth. I'm Charles Hickson. Captain Glenn Ryder said he didn't believe the men at first. I thought they were pulling my leg. The young boy, Parker, was scared to death. He was almost in shock. The officer said he tried everything he knew to break their stories, but they persisted. He said he then placed them in a cell which had a hidden tape recorder. They didn't know about the recorder, said Ryder. My God, Hickson said on tape, I never seen anything like this in my life. My nerves are wrecked. I got to get out of here. Ryder said Parker at this time was praying. I didn't believe their story at first, said Ryder, but I do now after I got them on tape. If they were lying to me, they should be in Hollywood. According to Sheriff Fred Diamond, they have decided not to make any more public statements. The sheriff said the two are willing to talk to federal officials. Diamond said they also said they would like to go to Jackson to take a lie detector's test. I believe they're sincere, Diamond said, and I believe their story is true. This news attracted interested scientists and UFO research experts from all over the world. Here's the report of two scientists who interrogated Hickson and Parker while they were under hypnosis. Two area men who told that they were taken aboard a UFO here Thursday night were put under hypnosis Saturday by two scientists who have spent years studying reports of UFOs. Both doctors said the men were telling the truth, that they were indeed taken aboard an extraterrestrial craft. Dr. James Harder, professor at the University of California, and also associated with Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, and Dr. Alan Hynek, professor of astronomy at Northwestern University of Chicago, spent about four hours with the two Gaucher men. Charles Hickson, 45, and Calvin Parker, 19, spent several hours separately under hypnosis Saturday, reliving their strange story of being taken aboard a spaceship. These are not unbalanced people, said Dr. Hynek. They're not crackpots. There was definitely something here that was not terrestrial. I've heard, said Harder. Where they, ships from outer space, came from, and why they were here is a matter of conjecture, he continued. But the fact that they are here on this planet is true beyond a reasonable doubt. Both men agreed that the sighting and the subsequent action of being taken aboard the UFO is pro 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 probably one of the most dramatic ever recorded. The doc doc doctors did not go into detail about the alleged spacecraft and pilots, but said the facts reported by the news media is substantially correct. They emphasized that as far as they're concerned, Hickson and Parker did see strange wrinkled creatures with pointed ears, slits for eyes, a sharp nose, and a hole below the nose. Dr. Harder said Parker and Hickson had faced experiences for which they were totally unprepared. He compared their experiences to that of an aborigine in Australia who is suddenly confronted by a jumbo jet. Dr. Harder said their experience was indeed a real one 
it was no hallucination. He said it would be practically impossible for the two men to simulate their feelings of terror while they were under hypnosis. Dr. Hynek ended the interview on a plea that Hickson and Parker should not be ridiculed. They had a very real and frightening experience, he said. strange manifestations in the sky and speculated on the possibilities of visitors from another world. Today from the skies of California, the fields of Kansas, the rice paddies of the Orient, the air lanes of the world, come persistent reports of UFOs, unidentified flying objects which we have come to know as flying saucers.
wouldn't you? But don't ask me why. I want to dance and sing shalomos anything. Why? Because I want to. I want the birds to know. I want the bees to know. Why? Because I want to. Just 
is that what we call mind is the results of the anatomy and physiology of the brain and nothing more. That uh, our thoughts, feelings, sensations, sense of consciousness, emotions are all due to the uh, chemical and electrical connection inside the brain. Oh, I'm afraid that's going to do it for Radio Lost and Found for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. We just heard there the Click Kids. With There's Been a Lot of Changes from the Click Kids Are Coming. Before that, Jonathan and Darlene Edwards gave us Paris in Spring. And then we heard uh, Neil Dick from his album The Future Is Now. We heard Suddenly It's Springtime. And then we heard Lucia Pamela. Why? Because I want to. From her album In Outer Space with Lucia Pamela. Thank you for DJ Agent Space Girl for giving me that copy. Lil Marky with Jesus Put the Stars in the Sky from Lil Marky Volume 1. And then Man or Astro Man? Question mark, with Alien Visitors from their album Is It Man or Astro Man? And then a whole bunch of UFO stuff mixed up. I can't even back announce all of it. But it consisted of uh, a backing of um, Black Mountain Transmitter and Black Goat of the Woods with a record by Charles Hickson, a man who claimed to be abducted by UFOs in 1973. Uh, Somebody talking about that named Reverend Bill Riddick, a pastor from his album Visitors from Space, What Saith the Lord. Um, We also heard Jack Jenkins, file number 733 UFO record, also talking about someone who claimed to have gone aboard a UFO. Um, Oh, that catches us up. So uh, do stay tuned. For Megawave Radio, and this is a time to support KBU, and you can do that all kinds of ways, but going by going to kboo.fm, clicking on the donate link in the upper right hand corner, or texting KBU to 44321. That's 44321. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. And now the computer would like to express its appreciation for your attention. Thanks for listening. We leave this program now to return to our normal schedule. Do it now, do it now, Our do it now, letter. do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Do it now, do it now, do it now. originally aired live long before the advent of high fidelity as a result you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems 
We hope, however, that any variance in audio quality will not take away from your pleasure in listening to this show. Listen closely. Here we go. Cheese sauce. 